With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the SI Fantasy Podcast. He's going to see his production decrease at least 15 to 20%. So I think he might actually be a fantasy bust in 2020. Head to SI.com slash fantasy for all the latest news, advice, and more to help you win your league. I look at his athletic ability, his explosiveness. He's very good in the red zone. He's able to get you those touchdowns. I mean, this guy had five touchdowns and 30 receptions. That's pretty much unheard of. Don't forget to subscribe to SI Fantasy Plus for even more content you won't find anywhere else. Every single running back in his first year as the featured back under Andy Reid, dating back to 1999, has been the RB10 or better. How can we go wrong here with the glide, guys? Here are your hosts, Corey Parson, Dr. Roto, and Michael Fabiano. What's up and welcome inside the SI Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, coming to you as always with my guys, Michael Fabiano and Dr. Roto. And boy, do we got a big program on deck today. The last time we spoke to you, we were trying to figure out which running back situation Leonard Fournette was going to blow up. Well, we found out exactly which running back situation Leonard Fournette was going to blow up. Plus, we're going to talk about some more running back situations around the NFL. Mike, let me hop into you uh, right now and bring you right into it. Leonard Fournette to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, something that we did mention on the podcast earlier this week. What do you think about the move and what does it do for the Buck, uh, the uh, for Fournette's value and the um, and the and Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn and everybody else? Well, this was the best case scenario for Fournette, right? Because there weren't a lot of teams in the National Football League where he could potentially come in and be the starter. I feel like Rojo is going to start week one. But eventually, Fournette will take that job. And I know Bruce Arians has come out. Number one, I don't believe anything that Bruce Arians says anymore, okay? Because he and the Buccaneers coaching staff has been talking up Rojo. He's our guy. He's a featured back. He can play all three downs. Oh, by the way, there's a better running back out there on the waiver wire. Uh, okay, he cleared waivers. Yeah, let's sign him. That's like me having a, having a, a decent car that gets me around. It's all right. But then I see a deal on a better car. So I'm going to buy that car and bring it in, right? You're telling me I'm not going to drive the better car eventually? So Fournette is the guy to get in Tampa's backfield. He's probably an RB3 at this point. I have him ranked in the low 30s. Ronald Jones more of an RB4 and everybody else in that backfield, you can safely ignore at this point in redrafts. Come on in here, Dr. Roto. Say hi to the people and break it down for us. Yeah, this is, uh, this. I think Fabs is absolutely right. Could we ask for a better spot for Fournette. And I think I've been listening to a lot of analysis. Oh, he's not that good anymore. He wasn't great in Jacksonville. Look, he wanted to win. The Buccaneers want to win and they want to win now. They don't bring him in if they're happy with Ronald Jones. They don't bring him in with if they have Keyshawn Vaughn and they think they're going to roll with him. You bring in Fournette because you're trying to win a Super Bowl. So let's make this absolutely clear for everybody. Firstly, the guy who's going to play is the guy who Tom Brady wants to play. Secondly, the guy who's going to play is the guy who can block for Brady, and that's most likely going to be Leonard Fournette and LaShawn McCoy. I don't know whether they trust a rookie in Keyshawn Vaughn. Would you uh, protecting Brady? I don't think so. 
I mean, Ronald Jones, he is a jag, just a guy, and that's his upside, okay? So I totally agree that Bruce Arians was just blowing smoke that this was their guy. He was never their guy. For Annette, it will take him one week to learn the playbook. He will start getting 16 to 20 touches per game, and he's an ideal RB3 this year. I think he will be more effective with his touches, but obviously fewer touches than in Jacksonville. Interesting conversation right there. And also, if your upside is a jag, uh, tough sledding, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if your upside is mediocre, then I feel bad for you. All right, Mike, let's get in here because I see everybody talking about where he can, you know, RB3 this year. So let's get in here and kind of break it down as it pertains to drafts. I know a lot of people are out there drafting this week. Make sure you sign up for SI Fantasy Plus because they got the best information to help you draft. And they also have the best information and tools to help you through your season. All right, uh, Mike, let's start. James Conner or Leonard Fournette? Uh, it's Conner by a mile. Uh, Fournette Ooh. to me, yeah, Fournette to me is is that guy that you're getting maybe in the seventh round, maybe in the eighth round. I don't think he'll fall any further than that. Maybe some leagues he'll go in the sixth round because he's got the name value. But I, I don't think that Fournette's going to see the same role in Tampa that he saw in They're going to use Ronald Jones somewhat. They're going to use LaShawn McCoy somewhat. Where in Jacksonville, it was Fournette, and then it was Fournette, and then it was Fournette. So I can't see that RB2 value being there. Maybe best case, he'll be a low-end RB2. But I'm not getting into the situation here where I'm talking about Leonard Fournette and Connor or Gurley uh, or, or David Johnson. Like, those guys are all ahead of Leonard Fournette at this point. All right. Well, if you say those guys are all ahead of Leonard Fournette, let me move down the list a little bit, Doc. Leonard Fournette or DeAndre Swift? That's closer. That's, I think that's a little closer there. I mean, look, I love Swift's upside, but do we know that the Lions are going to give him the football? Do we know that he's fully healthy? Do we know that Carrion Johnson's not going to be a part of that offense? Uh, I think they're going to be, I think that's about, about dead even. I think Fournette is 800 yards rushing fair. I think so. I think we're looking at about seven to eight touchdowns, r- rushing touchdowns. And I think we're looking at about 30 receptions for about 300 yards. So, Swift should be right around those numbers, maybe a drop lower. So I guess I'll lean Fournette, but only because I think I'm going to get more touchdowns. Um, Mike, uh, Fournette or J.K. Dobbins? Ooh, that one's closer. Uh, I'm going Fournette there. I love J.K. though. Love, love, love him. But I feel like Fournette's going to have a clear path to touches in Tampa Bay. Ingram is going to be tough to usurp there in Baltimore for J.K. Dobbins, whereas Ronald Jones is going to be a hell of a lot easier for Fournette to overtake in Tampa. But can I say something? In a, in a high-stakes league, I'm taking Dobbins. Right? In a home upside. league, I may take Fournette. But in a high-stakes league, when I'm dropping 1,700, I'm taking Dobbins for the upside. All right. I can dig that. You know what I'm saying? Because you do want that, that, that big-time play when you're trying to knock down a grand prize or an overall championship or something like that. And you can do that with the Fantasy Football World Championships. The commission, Scott Atkins, has got that rolling. So you can hop in the league tonight, as a matter of fact, right after you listen to this or while you're listening to this. All right, so earlier this week, fellas, I got a text from my buddy Kyle Mosley. He covers the Saints right here for Sports Illustrated. And he says to me, random text message, he says to me, do you think the Saints could trade Alvin Kamara? I was like, no, there's no chance the Saints would be looking to trade Alvin Kamara. And he said, he texts back to me, be careful. Because the Saints normally do stuff like this. 24 hours later, we get the trade rumors coming down the pipe, Mike. What's the latest situation going on with the Saints and Alvin Kamara? It looks like they're getting ready to settle their differences and get Kamara back in. 
looks like this is going to be much ado about nothing at the end of the day. The two sides uh, likely will be able to agree upon something. And, and Kamara's right. I mean, he he's vastly underpaid, but he's not worth McCaffrey money, at least not in my opinion. And this is a situation here where I didn't drop Kamara anywhere in my rankings. I left him right where he is. He's a top five pick. He's still a top five pick. I kind of like the fact that, you know, there's some motivation there because he wants to get paid. He's a young running back. That's when running backs have to get paid is when they are young. I mean, I had an interview with Marshall Falk earlier this week and, you know, Marshall talked about guys having to know their value and, you know, Kamara at one point maybe thought it's time to hold out. I'm not sure. There was a cryptic message that he posted on Twitter that may or may not been uh, warning people that he was going to do this. But right now, end of day, it uh, looks like Kamara is going to be ready for week one, and I wouldn't drop drop him past the top five, that's for sure. Marshall Falk. Shout out to Marshall Falk, even though he is a notorious Dallas Cowboy hater. I love uh, Marshall, though. He's a good dude. I know he hates the Cowboys, but he's always been good to me. Nah, Marshall is, is, is a cool cat. He's my man, but I will say this. He must have wanted to play for the Dallas Cowboys or something. Uh, That's why. No, I Marshall and I have gotten into it like in the past. When I talk about the Cowboys, man, he just shakes his head. I mean, I hate the Cowboys, man. Yeah, he hates the Cowboys hates in real That's life. All right. It's all good. It's all good. Doc, what do you think about this Kamara situation? And also, give me your comments on um, on Lat Murray. Well, look, Lat Murray is a good backup, but he's 30 years old and he is a backup. I mean, I mean, he in, in spots, you need well, him for a couple of weeks. I think he's good. <laughs> look, he's good for a couple of weeks, but I'm not, you're not going to ride or die with Latavius Murray to, to, to a Super Bowl. And certainly not Ty Montgomery, who's been like kicked off of every team he's ever been on, right? So I think if you want to win, and you're serious about winning, and you should be because you have Drew Brees, right? And you have Michael Thomas, and you've got a defense. This is your window right now. Is there a better running back that you're going to find than Alvin Kamara? Because if you don't re-sign him, you got to go back to the well and find yourself a rookie. Going to take him in a year or two to get ready, get up to the speed in the offense. I mean, is 14 mil for Kamara unfair? I think it's very fair. So get the deal done, sign him up, and watch this guy play because he's a top five running back. I don't think I think the New Orleans Saints are a first round exit um in in, in the NFC playoffs this year. So I don't think I don't see <laughs> Super Bowl I don't see Super Bowl in their future. I, I I don't I think Drew Brees is washed. Wow. Well this is that this is that last year, man, because Brees uncertain to play again. And um if he goes and they bring in Jameis for another season to be the quarterback, well the Saints Super Bowl chances, uh, I might argue, are, are are slim. Let's put it that Listen, way. Listen, you you, you saw how Teddy Bridgewater developed down there in New Orleans. New Orleans is an attractive place for a quarterback to develop. So I think it's interesting, but it's not going to happen this year with Drew Brees. I, I really, truly um, feel that way strongly. And Drew Brees is going into the broadcast booth next year. So it'll be interesting to see how they allocate those funds. Doc, when we look at some of the other backfield situations around the league, I remember – Way back after the draft, talking to our good buddy, he covers the Colts for SI, and that's uh, Mr. Philip B. Wilson. And he said that the situation with the backfield with Taylor and Mack, it was going to be 1 and 1A. How do you think it shakes out? Because I I don't think Marlon Mack is going nowhere. I know a lot of people got a a lot of love for Jonathan Taylor, but I don't see Marlon Mack going anywhere. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that. I like Marlon Mack, and I think – you know, if you can guess Marlon Mack's weeks correctly, you might actually be my rich friend on DraftKings or FanDuel, right? Because I think Marlon Mack is being overlooked because everybody's buying into Jonathan Taylor with good reason. He's a very good player. But you're not just going to all of a sudden push Marlon Mack to the side there. So I think some weeks you're going to see Marlon Mack with 20 touches. Other weeks you're going to see Marlon Mack with maybe 10 to 15 touches. Taylor is going to get his 15 touches per week. So that's the one thing that I feel pretty certain about. But I think, you know, game flow, 
you know, if the Colts are behind, then maybe they're not running so much. Maybe it's more Niam Hines and Taylor and less Mac. But like week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars, Mac should have 100 yards and maybe even two touchdowns. So I think it's a guessing game, sadly, per week. Um, but I think that Mac is a very good RB4 probably in fantasy. I think Jonathan Taylor may be overdrafted right now because people want to take him in round two, round three. And, and that, round three, I'm okay with later in round three, but I think I really like round four better. Here's yeah, one thing that I've been talking about on NFL Fantasy Live, sorry, or on uh, SiriusXM. Sorry to cut you off there, Corey. No doubt. The, the situation with the COVID and no preseason, I feel like you're going to end up having the veteran running backs playing a little bit more to start the season. Let these rookies sort of get their sea legs, right? See if they can pass protect in, in a real game situation. At that point, maybe Marlon Mack, first week, second week, is seeing more touches. That's when you go in and buy low on Jonathan Taylor because eventually I think he's going to take that job. Not put up like Saquon type numbers in terms of the touch share because Marlon Mack is going to be involved. Naheem Hines is going to be involved. But I feel like eventually talent's going to win out and Jonathan Taylor will take that job and be the starter. But there could be an opportunity for fantasy owners in the first couple of weeks to maybe try to swoop in and buy low on some of these rookies like Jonathan Taylor. NFL Fantasy Live was a pretty decent show. My goodness gracious, can you believe I said that? You know, I, I haven't watched it once since uh, since I left. I don't even get NFL Network anymore Look because that. I'm on Sling TV. Yeah. But I, I haven't heard good things. Uh, well, you know what I'm saying. Put it like this. I also boycotted NFL Fantasy Live once Fabiano was no longer a part of it. But shout out to nah, my man, Marcus. I Grant, love you, man. Yeah, it was, yeah we, love, we love Marcus, man. And what about Akbar, too? Akbar's gone, too, so... Well, you know, times are changing, but That's things right. are not changing so fast for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Doc. It's James Conner, and then it's kind of like, you know, Jalen Samuels, and it's this, and it's that. And I'm like, why is it not just James Conner? Oh, it's just James Conner. I mean, Mike Tomlin loves a three-down back, and I think James Conner is that guy. And I think people look at last year, he got injured, right? He wasn't there. He wasn't 100%, obviously. And so they had to bring in all these other guys. But maybe that's not a bad thing, because sometimes when you bring in other guys, you see what they really are. And Jalen Samuels is really a jag. I mean, I think he looks up to the word jag because he's really not that good. I do like Benny Snell. I think Benny Snell is legitimate. I worry. I think Fabs is right with these rookies coming in like Anthony McFarlane. Maybe if he had four preseason games, he'd be worth more for the Steelers. But I think without that, that he's not. So I think it's clearly Connor and clearly Snell. And James Connor in the third round is a very smart pick. If you start your draft with two receivers and you get Connor around three, I think that makes a lot of sense. The Steelers are a good team. And if Ben Roethlisberger can stay healthy, I mean, Juju, James Washington, Chase Claypool. Oh, my guy, Deontay Johnson. And then you got Ebron. The Steelers have a lot on offense, and Connor could be a linchpin there. Steelers are a playoff team this year. I think Mike Tomlin gets them right back to where they need to be. And as a matter of fact, they almost cracked the playoffs last year, despite everything that was going on with that franchise. But, Mike, this dude, Connor, was on the one-two turn last year. Why is he on, like, the three-four turn now? It's all about the durability. That's where people are concerned. We saw him come out and be an absolute stud when Le'Veon Bell took his football and went home a couple of years ago. And then last year, we were all in on him. First round pick, no worse than a second round pick. And he was a disappointment. I mean, he couldn't he couldn't avoid the injuries. God bless him. The guy overcame cancer. I, I root for him. I hope he has a great season. 
Also keep in mind, he's singing for his supper, right? He wants to stay in Pittsburgh. He's got to show that he can be durable and productive. He's got Ben Roethlisberger back under center. That is going to do nothing but help him. It's going to help defenses, you know, back off a little bit. You're not going to be able to load the box to stop the run against Pittsburgh because Big Ben will absolutely tear you apart in the passing game. And Connor also is a guy who can catch 50 balls out of the backfield. And that's going to be the case here with Ben Roethlisberger. I just feel like the questions about his durability, you know, it's sort of one of those things, guys, where it's like, what have you done for me lately? Fantasy owners are a little bit squirrely at times. And you look back and remember, oh boy, James Connor was really unreliable last year. So that has sort of baked into his ADP and why he's coming at what some people would consider a little bit of a discount. Doc, it's like it's like what Doc, it's like what you've always said in the past. I remember you saying this years ago when we was doing the show on Sirius XM before they upgraded to, you know, real talented guys like our fabs. Um fantasy owners are romantic. And if you hurt a fantasy owner's feelings, they don't go back to you. You remember one time I would not draft Drew Brees because I had a four like I had like a four win season with Drew Brees as the quarterback. <laughs> right. No, no, we have memories like elephants. Fantasy owners have memories like elephants. Oh yeah. Oh, you yeah. screwed me. I'm never drafting you again. You can't think that way. Just because James Conner hurt your feelings last year, it wasn't personal, right? He didn't say, Oh, you know, I screwed your fantasy team. Sorry about that. You know, so I think people just have to let that go. It's one year at a time, and the people who win in fantasy are the ones who can just put that bias aside. I don't care. You know, you guys are Cowboy fans. If you don't have a Cowboy in your team, are you going to be upset? You can't think that way, right? You've got to just play with your head and not with your heart. And the minute you start playing with your heart, you're probably going to lose your fantasy league. So, you know, James Conner this year is a guy that you want to own. And I know what he did last year, but you can't worry about that. I think you invest. Doc, we got, all, well, not just Doc, all three of us, we have a, a, a mutual friend in Scott Angle. And I remember saying to Scott one time, I said, let's just say it's you, Ace Fraley, and Pete Carroll on a boat. Oh, and man. Ace, <laughs> and Ace and Pete Carroll Scott fall would jump off in the, the boat. Yeah. Doc, who is, Doc, who do you think Scott Angle throws the life raft to? I think he sacrifices <laughs> himself for, for Ace and Pete That's Carroll. I actually Why? agree with Doc. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I think he may actually sacrifice himself. All right, Doc, let's bro, talk about bro, this. You want me to tell you something real quick, quick story? When we were in Florida together at CBS, Tristan Cockroft and I went to a Kiss cover band concert with Angle, and Angle was dressed up in yeah. full Kiss gear. Have you ever seen that? Because it's yes. something to see. I've seen pictures. No, I- I've seen, yeah, I've seen you can't it. Can't unsee them pictures. either. I've seen it live. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shout out to the Keg Scott Angle. He, let me tell you something. He loved his kiss, yeah, and he, he loved the Seattle Seahawks and, and Pete Carroll. But do we love that backfield, Doctor Roto? We got Carson. We got Penny. We got uh, what's the young back's name? Um, I can't. DJ Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, DJ Dallas from the University of Miami. Listen, I think DJ Dallas can play. Miami was just terrible last year. What are you? What are you? How are you attacking that Seahawks backfield, Doc? Avoid, avoid, avoid. I I can't imagine me taking anybody. I won't take Chris Carson, right? I know he goes in the round three. That's not my round three pick. I think, you know, Carlos Hyde, I I don't trust him. I mean, not really a great receiver out of the backfield. When you get 18 for 80 from Carlos Hyde, that's like an upside game from him. And he got that last year with the Texans. DJ Dallas is a spot guy here and there. I mean, it's fine. Rashad Penny's not healthy. Look, I'm rooting for the Seahawks to finally throw the ball, free Russell Wilson, get Lockett, who should be healthy this year, DK Metcalf, who's a freak out there. You know, Greg Olson's there. I'd rather see them pass than run. And I don't know how you feel, guys, but I just don't want to own anybody on the Seahawks. I do like the Seahawks defense this year, and I do like Wilson. I do like those receivers, but not the running game. 
when me fabs is DK Metcalf, I agree with Doc. That I, DK Metcalf in a late round flyer, a dollar make you holler on DJ Dallas. What do you think? I don't mind having Chris Carson as my RB2, to be quite honest with you. Uh, the only reason that I feel like people may be a little bit worried because he's coming off the hip, but he has this week declared himself to be 100%. And even last year, when Carson had the fumbling issues and we were all freaking out about Rashad Penny taking over the job, it didn't happen. And Rashad Penny is not in the mix at this point, not sure when he's going to come back. You know, they're talking about Carlos Hyde seeing a role in the offense. Yeah, he's going to see a role in the offense. It's going to be when Chris Carson's tired and needs to get a, get a rest, then Carlos Hyde will be on the field. In the third round, I will gladly take Chris Carson as my RB2. Uh, typically, it's not going to happen for me because I, I typically like to go running back, running back. But I feel like Carson is going to get enough of a workload where he should be a fine RB2 in 2020. Interesting. It's a volume play. I can see that. But I, I just, it's just, it's no, uh, it's, I think that DJ Dallas can bring that, uh, he'll be, I don't want to say a stash and cast, but he's a guy that I'll keep an eye on, on the waiver wire. If I'm in a league with 20 roster spots, I'll definitely also keep an eye on him and maybe take a late round fly on him at that. Before we get back in this running back discussion, Mike, I'll start with you on this one. Kirk Cousins comments yesterday, they seem to have blown up, but I'm like, wasn't that much to do about nothing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why, that, whatever, man. You know what it is? It's social media. It's drama. You got to avoid it, man. You got to avoid it. So like, yeah, when that came out and the comments that he made, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, man. It's not, I mean, you like that? I guess a lot of people didn't like that, but he likes that. Kirk Cousins is a guy that is going to be very interesting from a fantasy perspective this year because remember, last season, the Vikings threw the ball, what, the third fewest times in the National Football League? So Maybe that's going to change with Gary Kubiak as the OC. I think this offense is going to run through Dalvin Cook. But Kirk Cousins is a guy who had a stretch last year where he was a QB1. He was tremendous. Just overall, he was pretty unreliable. Uh, no more than a QB2 at this point. Don't care about the comments that he made, to be quite honest with you. But yeah. people love that drama, man. They like to they, stir it up. They do. Anytime you hear somebody says, if he dies, he dies. But if I die, I die. It's satirical, people. Don't 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 take it too right. far. It, it's, it's not right. Exactly. It's, you remember Drago yeah, in, uh, exactly. in Rocky Three. If he dies... Yeah. It, he dies. All right, That's, whatever, That's all man. it is. D- Doc, I think I'm going to go – I'm going to put my good money on this too, Doc. I think he can win the MVP this year, Kirk Cousins. Woo-hoo-hoo. And you just lost your money, right? I'm going to make you scream exactly. Why can't Here's he win a, the oh, MVP this no, year? Oh, because it's clear. So I'm looking at his stats from last year, right? And the first few weeks, 98 yards passing, 230, 174, 233. At this point, we are like screaming, what's Look going at October. on? Then he gets hot for a, for a few weeks, right? 306, 333, 338, 285, right? We're excited at this point, right? He's doing great. Then all of a sudden, it starts dropping again. I mean, he has one game over 300 yards after that. The thing is, Mike Zimmer wants to control the football. Wants to play great defense. They're going to run the – they have three great running backs there. Three. I think Mike Boone could actually play in this league, even though he's a third stringer for the Vikings. Alexander Madison could start on half the teams. So, you, you know, you've got Adam Thielen, who's a one. You've got Justin Jefferson, who is eventually going to be the two because B.C. Johnson's not the real deal. And you've got two decent tight ends. So I, I think they pass when they have to. I think if, if Cousins goes, let's say, 20 – for 28 for 240 yards and one to two TDs and they win, Mike Zimmer is going to be ecstatic, but fantasy owners won't be. So I would not go bet that unless you're getting like plus 16,000 exact. I put it like this. He's kind of elite, and I'm not talking about talent wise. He's kind of opposite of Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott plays very well inside the division. Kirk Cousins plays very poorly inside the division. 
Cousins plays well outside the division. Dak plays poorly outside the division. So that's how I break those two players down right there. But that has to change this year for both quarterbacks to reach their maximum potential in both teams as well. But those are two teams in the NFC that I do like a lot. Let's get back off fabs and talk about these running backs and these backfield situations. I mean, my man, Zach Moss, I'm telling you, he's coming, bro. And I like Devin Singletary, but man, I, Zach Moss is just like a dude. He just, he runs hungry to me. Yeah, I have moved Moss up and Singletary down somewhat. I still have mm. Singletary ranked ahead of Moss, but the gap is closed significantly because of all the hype. Now, this is going to be the example that we can use moving forward, guys of if Singletary is tremendous and Zach Moss doesn't see the biggest role that that, uh, that we've sort of projected, this is going to be the example of you can't always believe what you read on social media or when beat writers start talking, you have to take it with a grain of salt. We'll find out what happens. But Moss has been talked up. I mean, like he's the, the second coming of Thurman Thomas. I mean, everybody's been talking about how great he's been. He's been utilized in the passing game as well. Pass protect, all this kind of stuff. But don't forget, seven, Devin Singletary is a pretty good back. They're going to utilize him as a pass catcher as well. I think he is the guy who's going to be the week one starter. Time will tell. I'm friends with his agent, and his agent has said he's had a good camp. Uh, of course, he's going to say that. But this is a guy who is going to be a little bit more versatile than Zach Moss. But we might see a situation where, you know, Zach Moss is going to get goal line opportunities. Zach Moss is going to take some early down work. Maybe this is more of a committee than we project. A lot of people said, well, Zach Moss will play the Frank Gore role like Gore did last year. Well, maybe he's going to play a little bit bigger of a role than Frank Gore did still. Even in that scenario, I can still see Devin Singletary because of his chops as a pass catcher being sort of a low-end flex starter in 2020. Doc, I'm going to bring you in on this one here. I'm going to draft both of them on the same team, to be honest with you. And that might be a good move because I really think we're looking at 50-50 here. I think we're looking at about 15 touches for Singletary. I think we're looking about 15 touches for Moss. Look, I, I was the president of the Devin Singletary fan club last year. I mean, <laughs> I drafted him in round seven of every single high-stakes league last year. And I knew I was onto something because this guy is, is a very good player. The problem is he's not the fastest player. He's shifty, right? He's a good pass catcher, but he's not the biggest guy by the goal line. So here's what we know. We know that Zach Moss is going to get the touchdown. He's going to play that Frank Gore short, short yardage guy, right? Now, is Josh Allen going to steal those touchdowns? I hope not. But I think that Moss clearly has a 10 to 12 touch role there. So I think we're looking at the most for Singletary, maybe 15 to 18 touches and Moss the least 10 to 12. But I think it's going to be a 50-50 split. And I think what people don't realize is Moss is a better pass catcher than they think. And I think Devin Singletary is a better runner than most people think. So I think the Bills have a good offensive coordinator in Brian Dable, but he's also very conservative. And I think these guys will get both have an opportunity to lead the team during the season. And I think the bills are going to win a lot of their games with their good defense, smart passing, and a lot of running. Doc, I'm going to come back to you. Cause I want to bring up something that you used to do back in the past. I think I might be performing one of them uh, shortly, but let's go to the same, keep it in Mike. Let's keep it in the same division. Let's keep it with the same problem. The backfield with the new England Patriots. Everybody knows how I feel about Sony Michelle. Mike, oh man, go, just, just go, just go. Listen, man, that backfield is still sort of in turmoil. I, I, I've heard that Lamar Miller might not make the team. And now Damian Harris has got a hand injury and he may not play in week one. So suddenly, guess who gets put back into the spotlight? Your man, Sony Michelle. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I really feel like this is going to end up being 
a very tricky backfield committee with Damian Harris, who's probably the guy to target. He's probably the guy you can get with the highest ceiling in New England. And Sony Michelle will also be in the mix, clearly, as long as you could avoid injuries. James White's going to be sort of playing that, that pass-catching role, so he's the most attractive Patriots back. But as it stands right now, I didn't even mention Rex Burkhead. It's going to be a confusing situation. It really is. If you want to go for the ceiling play, you're certainly going to go with Damian Harris. But if Sony Michelle comes out and plays really well in week one, while Harris can't play, how does that change things? It's called Bellatrix for a reason, and that's why you probably want to avoid any of these backs as anything more uh, than a running back four or five. Dr. Roto, my love for Sony Michelle reminds me of the fantasy funerals you used to do back on Sirius XM. And I think my my I think I'm ready to have a fantasy funeral for Sony Michelle. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today <laughs> to talk yeah. the fantasy executive out of ever drafting Sony Michelle again. Yeah. So the, the two things that I think people are are missing. So one, James White is clearly the guy to own in New England because you know his role. It's defined. And you know he's going to play. Secondly, why are we forgetting that Cam Newton tends to get a lot of touchdowns, right? Doesn't he tend to jump in from the one or two yard line, which is what Sony Michelle did? See, Tom Brady wasn't going to do that, but Cam Newton may steal touchdowns right at the goal line. So if Sony Michelle is not getting 10 touchdowns, and he's certainly not catching a lot of passes out of the backfield, I was just in a draft where we went around 14. I'm okay with that, right? I'm okay with that. Yeah. I really like Damian Harris, but. Is Bill Belichick going to give him 20 touches a game? I don't think so. You know, the thing about New England, why they're so frustrating. Oh, Brandon Bolden, he had a good week. Oh, Rex Burkhead, he had a good week. This is what happens in New England. There's nobody we can trust there except for James White. Yeah, Jimmy White is my man. I agree. Before we get up out of here, I want to talk a little strategy with you guys, especially in a year like this, Fabs. I'm looking at a situation where maybe we should just take look at the first four weeks of the season and draft what we think can be the best team for the first four weeks of the season and then reshuffle it the best way you can and keep pushing through the rest of the year. Well, I tell you something, the the first four weeks of the regular season are going to be very interesting because we're going to find out just how much some of these rookies, especially have absorbed the playbook and rookies are, are seriously in play from a fantasy perspective this season. That's why I talked about a little bit earlier on where, you know, maybe Marlon Mack and, Carry on Johnson are leading the Lions and the Colts respectively in terms of the backfield touches over the first couple of weeks. And then slowly the rookies sort of get more and more work. And at that point, they end up taking over the jobs, maybe not uh, featured like Zeke or, or Saquon, for example, but still leading those backfields. Same kind of thing with the wide receivers, right? I mean, we're hearing in Minnesota that it's going to be BC Johnson starting opposite Adam Thielen and not Justin Jefferson. Does that mean, well, Jefferson doesn't have as much value? Maybe not, but maybe he's going to have a slow start to the season. I'm really interested to see what happens with Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow is the only rookie quarterback who's going to be under center week one. We already know Justin Herbert may not play this year and to a tongue of Aloha. Well, it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick to start the season at least. Right? So how does Burrow come out and look like that to me is going to be fascinating. This guy's coming off of one of the best college seasons of all time. Maybe the best college season of all time at the quarterback position. He's got to go out and play against the LA chargers. That's going to be a very interesting game, but you're right. We are going to have to transition. We are going to have to audible. We are going to have to make moves in fantasy with COVID and injuries that we probably wouldn't have ever thought we would otherwise. It's going to be really interesting, man. This year, more than any other, you better be paying attention in the first month of the season because if you're not, you are going to get left behind and your team is going to have no shot to get to the championship. Doc, I heard, I saw an anonymous quote from a coach, a head coach, and he said, 
I just don't know what I have. And that's what I'm thinking. Maybe we should draft fantasy teams for the short term this year. I wish we could, right? But when we only have 20-man rosters or 16-man rosters, we can't really do that. But I like the thinking, exec. It's really good. So, I mean, what, what I've been telling people are there certain guys like David Johnson, who I think can get you through week eight, but you're not going to win your fantasy league with him. So you're going to win your fantasy league with a guy like Jonathan Taylor. So I think what you try to do is have a few guys that you can use in the beginning and a few guys that you could use at the end. And if you can try to find a way to morph that together, you might be onto something there. So I think what you do is you go down the list and you look at those guys like David Johnson, like Marlon Mack, right? The, you know, guys who should perform earlier in the season. Then you look at your, you know, those other guys like the Zach Moss types. How about the Joshua Kelly types, the Antonio Gibson types, the guys that can come in at the end of the season, right? So I think if you can figure out a way, especially in the deeper leagues, get two guys for the end and two guys for the beginning, and then maybe two or three guys that you can use year round, season round, that might be the perfect lineup construction. There you go right there. Dr. Roto, Michael Fabiano. I'm Corey Paulson, the fantasy executive. This has been the SI Fantasy Podcast. Drafts are coming up hot and heavy again this weekend, and we are one week away from the season starting. Oh, how much we are looking forward to that and trying to get some sort of sense of normalcy around our favorite hobby. For Michael Fabiano, I'm Corey Parson, and, and Dr. Roto, I'm Corey Parson, the fantasy executive. Do not forget SI Fantasy Plus and SI Fantasy Pro help you win your bets, help you win your fantasy league, and help you win in DFS. You know what I'm saying? You could win in Millie Maker, and then you could thank us. Fantasy exec, Mike. Fabiano and Dr. Roto, we are out.